0: Welcome to Calvary Christian Church's podcast. We're located on the north shore of Boston and are committed to being a balanced ministry with a personal touch. Each week, one of our pastors will deliver biblical encouragement and practical application tips for everyday faith living. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the message.
1: Hallelujah, hallelujah. Nothing like being a child of God, amen? <laughs> Amen, amen, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, thank God, I'm a child of God. Thank God, I'm a child of God. You may be seated. Welcome, welcome. So good to have you here in person today. So good to have you joining us online. Big shout out to first-time visitors online. If this is your first time joining us, please, please be sure to connect with us through the available links there so that we can connect with you. And first-time visitors here in person today, I would love to have the privilege of meeting you over at the Welcome Center immediately after this service. I hope you can come and meet me there. Well, it's fall. and Of course, it's time to get plugged in. There's all kinds of classes, small groups, Bible studies, ministries, ministry training and leadership classes, including the Way of the Shepherd, which I'm teaching once again uh, this fall, 7 o'clock right here in the sanctuary. Hope you can uh, come and be with me Wednesday night. Don't miss tonight if you're a young adult, the encounter night. Going to be an awesome time in the presence of the Lord. And then, uh, then tomorrow night is that Holy Spirit overflow service in the multi-purpose room. I think it might have came out in the newsletter as being tonight. That's tomorrow night. So please make a note of that. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> as we continue in our sermon series on the real, the real Christian life and community. A lot of people have their doubts about Christianity in part because they have not experienced in person what they read about in the Bible. And uh, while part of that is inevitable because the church is made up of fallible human beings who are still a long ways from perfect like you. And like me. You were waiting for me to say that, right? The Apostle Paul, nonetheless, shows us the way here in Romans chapter 12. He's painting a picture for us of what the real Christian life and community can look like. And this is important. Let me tell you why. Because our world is looking for something that can deliver them from their despair and discouragement, their depression, their disillusionment. They're looking for something real. People want something that is exciting, invigorating, something worth living for. And listen, something that can empower them to live life the way they know deep, deep, deep down inside. There's got to be something better than this. That's something better is Jesus. So in Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul begins this great, great chapter of the Bible saying this, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, and we've paused in every sermon to say, hey, it all comes back to the mercy of God. Well, thank, if you're here today, you're here today because of the mercy of God. If you're saved today, you're saved today because of the mercy of God today. And so we thank God for his mercy. Paul says, in view of God's mercy, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It's not just reading your Bible. It's not just praying. It's not just coming to church and singing on Sunday. Real, proper, true worship is offering Jesus Christ your life. And that includes your body. Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind mentions our body, now our mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then verses 3 to 8. We looked at verses 3 to 8, and I don't have time to review all of that. Let me tell you what's in verses 3 to 8. Lots of good stuff. So so go back and read it. And if you missed those sermons, go back and listen to those messages. They're all on your app or on the website. And then we came to verse 9. As Paul begins describing for us, what real Christian love is, what it looks like, what love in action, how it functions. And so here's what we read in Romans 12, verse 9. Love must be sincere. Yes. And remember one translation says, love must be without hypocrisy. And we talked about just the, 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 the awfulness of hypocrisy, not in other people, but in the person we're looking at in the mirror. You take care of that hypocrisy. That'll keep you busy full time. Don't worry about the other hypocrites. You just take care of the hypocrite in the mirror. Love must be sincere without hypocrisy. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Verse 10, we looked at last Sunday. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And then we come to verse 11, which is our focus for today. Here's what Paul says. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving God the Lord. Romans twelve eleven. So our focus for today. As we look at the three key ingredients to a passionate Christianity, they are number one, never be lacking in zeal. Number two, keep your spiritual fervor. And number three, remember that it is the Lord whom you are serving. Would you bow your heads and hearts with me for a word of prayer? Father God, we love you today. Thank you for this awesome opportunity you've given us to once again gather around your eternal and almighty word. Holy Spirit, come, teach us what no man can teach us. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive, and then hands and feet and mouths to respond in faith and obedience to that which you would teach us during these moments together today. Hide your servant behind the cross, I pray. And may Jesus Christ be high and lifted up, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen Amen. and amen. Passionate passionate Christianity. How many remember the day you first gave your life to Jesus? I mean, the greatest day in your life. I mean, you couldn't get enough of Jesus. You couldn't get enough of of church. You couldn't get enough of reading your Bible and praying. You couldn't stop telling your family and friends about Jesus. It was awesome. And then a few years later, what happened? What happened? Well, the same thing that can happen in many relationships, not the least of which is marriage. And in fact, you could, you could take the three points of this sermon today and just overlay them on, for those of you who are married, onto marriage, and they would all three work in that category as well. We recognized uh, Ernie and Debbie Cox in the 830 service, who this week will be celebrating 50 years of marital bliss. Congratulations to Ernie and Debbie. Quite, a, quite an accomplishment when you realize that today in America, every 13 seconds, there's a divorce. Every 13 seconds. Why? What happened? When they were standing at the altar, they weren't planning on getting divorced. I will love you forever. And that's what we say to Jesus, isn't it? I think of the elderly couple who've been married for more than 50 years, been married a long time, and they're kind of old and grumpy looking now. And she says to her husband, You don't tell me you love me anymore. His grumpy response. I told you 50 years ago that I loved you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. (laughs) Now maybe, maybe he still loved her, but she wasn't feeling it. I mean, she just, she wasn't feeling the passion. And maybe you believe that you still love the Lord today as much as you ever did. Or maybe, if you're honest, you have to admit that the passion for Jesus Christ and his kingdom is no longer what it used to be. That's why Paul is going to give us a spiritual passion check here in Romans 12, 11. And he says, here's how you will know if you're still in love with Jesus. Here's how you will know if you're still on fire for the Lord. You'll be zealous. There'll be a spiritual fervor inside of you and you will be actively serving the Lord. So we're not going to just tell you what to do today. We're going to tell you how to do it. Paul gives us three ways here in Romans 12, 11, as he talks about method, means, and motive. Method, means, and motive. Number one, as we talk about maintaining this passionate Christianity, this passionate Christian experience, number one, the method is through our personal diligence. For those of you filling in the blanks, hopefully you've downloaded the outline on your app or you grabbed an outline on the way in. Some of you have been keeping these outlines. You, you keep these outlines and you uh, hole punch them. And, 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 and uh, Barbara put them in a, in a notebook for 20 years of sermons. So I, I, I get in trouble when I go back and preach one again. And Barbara says, you know, Pastor, you preached that sermon 13 years ago. and <laughs> Like I, I should have changed the title. You know, I should have changed the title. <laughs> Personal diligence. Here's what we read. Romans 12, 11. Never be lacking in zeal. Paul says, if you're going to live an energetic, enthusiastic, Christian life, you got to make up your mind that you're going to give everything you've got, young people. Great to have the teenagers over here, isn't it? you got to make up your mind you're going to give God everything you've got. Put another way, you're going to give God nothing less than your very best. I ask you today, in light of the mercies of God, does he not deserve our very best? Some of you didn't understand the question, so I'm just going to give you another chance here, okay? In light of the mercies of God, does he not deserve our very best? I ask you that question. I I ask you if you've made up your mind, because living a passionate life for Christ does involve you and I making a decision. It involves us making a choice. As Joshua said to the Israelites in Joshua 24, 15, before dying, he said, choose for yourselves this day whom you're going to serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. In other words, make a decision. Some of you may be living an impassionate life, Christian or otherwise, because you've never truly decided to give yourself a hundred percent to whatever kind of life you're going to live whether for Christ or for something or someone else. You've just never decided. Same idea and principle, again, applies to your marriage. It'll never be passionate until you give it 100%. And that may be the difference in what you're feeling today versus what you were feeling 20 years ago when you said, I do. Try giving your husband 100%. Try giving your wife 100% and see what it will do for the passion in your marriage. Indecision however will result in a lack of zeal which will result in a lack of passion. There's another word for zeal here. In Romans 12:11, we see it. When we look at the New King James version, Romans 12:11a in the New King James version says this, not lagging in diligence. Another word for zeal, diligence. Diligence carries the idea of careful and persistent work or effort. It's the idea of someone who carries out their work in a very disciplined manner. They've made up their mind on what's going to be a priority in their life. They're going to go about pursuing that objective with great discipline. In other words, our spiritual passion does not happen by accident. It involves work. Now, it will require more than just our work. I'll make that point in a minute, but it does include us working. In fact, look at how Paul explains it in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. He writes, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Here it is. Continue to work out. Now you got to keep reading there because he doesn't mean go to planet fitness here. That's not what he's talking about. He says that somewhere else, but continue to work out what? Your salvation with fear and trembling. Now he's not saying work for your salvation. Only Jesus Christ can Uh, who already did the work for us for our salvation. But he's saying, you got to work it out. You got to live it out. You got to be passionate about this. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. You know what I've discovered through 40 plus years of pastoral ministry? A lot of professing Christians think Christianity is sitting back, relaxing and letting God do all the work. Well, for starters, I think Jesus Christ already did his part when he suffered and died for our sins on the cross of Calvary. I think Father God did his part by saving us and forgiving us of our sins. So maybe you'll understand if God wants you and me to demonstrate a little diligence in doing our part to experience the passionate Christian life that God has for us. And I don't know how to tell you this. In fact, I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to read the Bible. Let the Bible say it for itself. Because if we look at Romans 12:11 one more time and this time we look at it in the New Living Translation, here's what we read in Romans 12:11 in the New Living Translation. It says, "Never be lazy." lazy. lazy. <laughs> Never be lazy. You can have a lot of faults and shortcomings on our staff here at Calvary. You can't be lazy. You won't be here long. Jesus deserves more than us being lazy. Never be lazy, Paul says. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Paul says, never be lacking in zeal. Now, I know we say you're never supposed to say never, but Paul said "Never." never. Never. Be lacking in zeal. Never be lazy. And, and boy, I, I wanted to give you a bunch of scriptures about what God thinks about being lazy. But again, as is true every week in sermon preparation, I end up with about 10 pages of notes. And there's about 20 pages of notes that can't fit into the sermon. And among those notes this week were scripture references on being lazy. If you don't think it's a big, a, a big deal in God's eyes, you need to do a little word study on lazy in the, in the Bible and see what God says about it. He has a very strong opinion about laziness. When it comes to his kingdom work. Do you realize how dangerous it would be. For an American pastor in 2022. To suggest to his congregation. That some of them. Especially those lacking a spiritual passion. For him to suggest. That it might be due to laziness. Imagine. I would never do that. (laughs) But I mean some pastor might. Part of the problem is. we, We like to give ourselves a pass. I mean, come on, I'm tired, tired. You know, I've been working hard. I had a hard day. You know, my allergies are acting up. (laughs) Just feel like I need a break. And any excuse will really do when you want to make an excuse. I'll never forget the lady who told my daddy when he was pastoring, Pastor Schmidt, I'm not going to be in church this Sunday. You're not. He said, why? She said, I think I'm going to be sick. (laughs) True story. Going to put them all in a book one day and make a lot of money. (laughs) We give ourselves, here's the problem. We give ourselves a pass for a day and it turns into a week. We give ourselves a pass for a week and it turns into a month. We give ourselves a pass for a month and it turns into a year. We give ourselves a pass for a year and it turns into a decade. Think Think of it. Oh, we can get up early to go hunting or fishing or attend a sporting event. But don't ask me to get up early and sacrifice to serve the Lord. Fact of the matter is a lot of professing Christians spend more time on their bodies and faces than they do their soul and spirit. Thank you, Pastor Tim. That's great preaching. Keep going. I'm not going to do a Pastor Barry and run down in the, in the uh, pew and wait. But Paul is trying to teach us today, pay attention to your passion for Christ or one day you'll wake up and wonder what happened to it. One more comment and we'll move on to the next point. This first phrase in Romans 12:11 also carries the idea of living our lives for Jesus with a sense of urgency. Listen to how the English Standard Version, the ESV, translates this verse. Romans 12:11 in the ESV says, "Do not be slothful in zeal." Now, I wish there were time. Again, there's not but 30 years later now, I'm watching animated car- uh, movies and cartoons again. You know, it's been a long time since I watched all these uh, movies, but I've got grandchildren now. And a couple, not too long ago, I was watching a movie with my three-year-old uh, granddaughter, Savona, a movie called Zootopia. <laughs> and a couple of the main characters in Zootopia need to get some information And they have to go to the Registry of Motor Vehicles to get the information. Some of you have seen this. And the people working behind the counter, and I should just say, in case there's any Registry of Motor Vehicle workers here, I apologize. But the characters serving at the Registry of Motor Vehicles are sloths. And again, I promise you, if you Google it, you YouTube it. Uh, uh, I promise you, if you Google it, or YouTube, this part of the movie, uh, it, it will be the most hilarious thing you have ever seen in any movie, anywhere, anytime. You will fall off the couch laughing. It's that hilarious. But it's so slow that I, I can't take time to show it today. But uh, so they've already put the picture of some sloths up on the, on the screen. I mean, here's what sloths got going for them. They're kind of cute. But sloths are what? Slow! slow! So Paul says, don't be slothful in your zeal. Now listen, I know sometimes we get caught up in the busyness of life and and our problem often is not that we're going too slow, we're going too fast and we, we need to slow down, and I recognize that. But Paul says, when it comes to our zeal for Jesus Christ and his kingdom, when it comes to nurturing our passion for Jesus Christ, that is not the time to be slothful. In fact, Paul says in Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, He writes this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Look at this, verse 16, making the most of every opportunity. Put another way, redeeming the time. Put another way, seizing the day. Why? Because the days are evil. Jesus communicated a similar idea in John 9, 4, when he said, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. In other words, our time is limited. Let's be zealous in our work for Jesus Christ. And the older I get and the older some of you get, you know we're very conscientious of the fact that, you know, the clock is ticking. Time is short. No time to be slothful. If we're going to experience a passionate Christian life, it involves a personal diligence and discipline. Based on a decision to follow Jesus Christ that we're going to zealously give him our very best and demonstrate our love for him by giving him first place in our lives. That is the method. Number two, it brings us to the means. So how do we do it? What, what is the resource? What, what, what is, where do we get the power to do this? We get the power from the Holy Spirit. Our means is through spirit empowerment. Romans 12, 11 again, never be lacking in zeal. Romans 12:11 never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervor. Now the word fervor or fervent here in the original language means catch this boiling. Yeah. Boiling hot. In our spirit, teenagers, we are to be boiling hot for Jesus Christ. In our spirit, we're to be on fire or aglow in the spirit. In our spirit, we're to be overflowing as we radiate the presence of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. So let's just be calm and clear-headed here for just a moment. Because every one of us knows, we really do. We know if our spirit is on fire and boiling for Jesus Christ or not. You know, so many things we experienced, we never experienced before during COVID. One of those was before you went into a building and certainly before you went into your doctor's office or wherever, they te- took your temperature, right? Up against your forehead, took your temperature. I got this great idea this week. Wouldn't it be cool if we could order uh, 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 from, from, from heaven, you know, uh, have Amazon or whoever deliver from heaven uh, spiritual thermometers and we'd have our ushers take your spiritual temperature as you walk through the door. Of course, they're going to demand hazardous pay if we ask them to do this, but what do you think? The question is, how would we seat you based on your temperature? Would we put the spiritually hottest folks on the front row? Or would we put the spiritually coldest on the front row? So there are two points I need to make here. When it comes to your spiritual fervor, there are some things you cannot do and there are some things that you can do. And I spent the first point, I just spent the first point talking about some of the things we can do to help facilitate our passionate Christianity. That being the personal diligence part, the zeal and commitment that are needed. That's our part. But those things in and of themselves, listen carefully, as good and appropriate as they are as spiritual disciplines... They are not enough on their own. On their own, they are nothing more than religious exercises. If we're going to keep our spiritual fervor, if we're going to remain on fire for Jesus Christ and his kingdom, we must, we must have spirit empowerment. We do not have the strength or willpower in and of ourselves to maintain our zeal and spiritual fervor. But Paul gives us all of these commands, these admonitions so that we not only know what we are to do, but so that, listen, but so that we will ask the Holy Spirit for his power and his help to do them. There's not a command in the Bible you can do in your own strength or ability. Not one. We need the Spirit's empowerment. And I believe that the Lord allows us to feel overwhelmed anytime we try to live the Christian life in our own strength and ability. That's worth repeating. I believe the Lord allows us to feel overwhelmed anytime we try to live the Christian life in our own strength and ability. Loved ones, Jesus has baptized us with the Holy Ghost and power. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. Power. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. And all the way back in the Old Testament, we read in Zechariah 4, 6, that it's not by might and not by power, meaning human might or human power, but it is by my spirit, saith the Lord Almighty. Does it make sense to you that our spiritual fervor comes from the Holy Spirit? It's only when our spirits are taken over by the Holy Spirit that they can remain on fire. Now listen to be sure, our spirits require continuous input to keep boiling. You got to put a log on the fire. You, how do you do that? That's the motivation for the spiritual discipline of prayer. That's the motivation for the spiritual discipline of living in God's Word. That's the motivation for the spiritual discipline of worship, both personal and corporate. But again, neither those disciplines nor any, any of the other 20 plus commands that Paul gives us here in Romans 12 can be fulfilled by our striving. Instead, they are fulfilled by our yielding. Our efforts are not enough to sustain a spiritual glow, but the presence of God's Spirit at work within us will. So yield to the Holy Spirit today. Yield to the Holy Spirit today. Keep coming after Jesus, recognizing that he still has so much more for us. It's the realization that Max Lucado came to recently. This is big news just Came out last couple of weeks. Many of you recognize the name of Max Lucato, great evangelical pastor, leader, author. We've read many of his books. Great guy, but not Pentecostal. At least not till recently. Because he said to God, he said to the Holy Spirit, "If you've got more for me, I'm open to it." And as I will say in the membership class, listen, we're an Assemblies of God church. We believe that the initial physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is speaking in other tongues. That's what we believe. But we don't tell you that you got to speak in tongues to be a member at this church. No, what we say is you got to say, Jesus, I want everything you got for me. I'm hungry and thirsty for everything you got for me. That's, that's all we're looking for. I think that's what Jesus is looking for. And so Max Lucado said, God, now, I don't know Max's, I should have looked up his age, but he's got to be around my age. He looks older than me. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just, he's a good looking guy. He looks much better than me. He's got more hair than I do. I know that. And you know what he's doing? He's going through his morning routine, his morning devotions. That's point one, personal discipline. And he's praying in English one minute. And all of a sudden he starts praying in another language he's never learned. He starts praying in the spirit. He starts praying in tongues. And now he's telling the whole world that Jesus had more for him. And I am telling you today, the Holy Spirit has more for you and he has more for me. Hallelujah. hallelujah, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So keep coming after Jesus and asking for more. That's what tomorrow night's uh, uh, Holy Ghost overflow time is in the multi-purpose room. People are just going to gather together and worship and say, Jesus, I want more. In fact, the way you'll know you're in trouble spiritually is when you stop going after Jesus. It's interesting that people are fascinated with the last days. When when is the end coming, Pastor Tim? Who's the Antichrist? What's the mark of the beast? And on and on, all the end times questions come. But here's what Jesus said about the end times. In Matthew 24, 12, and 13, here's what Jesus said. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. That's the sign of the end times. We used to have four week crusades and revivals. Now we can't get people to come out for four days. I didn't expect you to like that. But it's true. It's true. Jesus said, the love of most is going to grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. What happened? They let the fire go out. Jesus described the church in Ephesus this way. uh, 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 Revelation 2.2. He says, I know your deeds. Your hard work and your perseverance. This is point one. They're doing the right things. They're going through the right motions. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. That's all good. Yet, verse four, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. King James Version, you left your first love. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. He goes on the next chapter, Revelation 3, to rebuke the church in Laodicea because they were neither hot nor cold. They were lukewarm. So he said, I'm ready to spit you out of my mouth. Think of it. The danger of leaving our first love for the Lord the danger and spiritual disaster that awaits those who have allowed their hearts to lose the fire and to become lukewarm. Right about now, someone is saying, well, Pastor Tim, you know, this being on fire and passionate for Jesus Christ stuff sounds good, but, but hey, that's just not my personality or temperament. Well, it's not your personality or temperament that needs to be on fire. It's your spirit. You can only change your personality and temperament so much but your spirit can be set on fire for the glory of God through the power of the Holy Ghost. So like the Apostle Paul reminded Timothy so many years ago in 2 Timothy 1, 6, I say to each of us today, remember that the Spirit of God is within you. Remember and fan the flame of the Spirit of God that is within you. Stir up the gift of God that is in you. Get on fire again for Jesus. Remember that the Spirit of God is within you. Yield to him and you will always be fervent in spirit. Number three, see musicians come, we'll pretend like we're quitting. Let's talk about our motivation, which is serving the Lord. Romans 12, 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Now we've talked about our method for this life of passion and Christianity One of personal commitment and diligence. We've talked about our means for this life of passionate Christianity, spirit empowerment. Finally, we come to the third ingredient for this life of passionate Christianity, and it is our motivation. What motivates us to keep going through good times and bad? I read this week of a man who has endured 900 lashes of a whip on his back for the cause of Christ and yet he refuses to leave his country of pain and punishment all because of his love for Christ and his love for his countrymen who have yet to experience the joy of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm sitting there on my couch in my morning devotional time enjoying my cup of coffee and and oatmeal while I read about a man on the other side of the world who's being beaten within inches of his life. And I dare to grumble and complain about little inconveniences. Paul says, never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor, but never forget this one thing. You are serving the Lord. That is the primary motivation for everything you do. I don't know how to tell you this but I don't work for you. I don't work for the assemblies of God. I work for the Lord Jesus Christ and serving him and pleasing him is my reason for being an existence in this life. And if he's pleased with me at the end of the day, then it's been a good day and I can lay my head down and go to sleep. If I had to try to please two to 3,000 people who call Calvary Christian Church their church, I would go stark raving mad. (laughs) You see, people who regularly do things for mixed motives, including within the body of Christ, they live lives that lack a purity of focus and purity of motivation. They have too many masters to serve and too many people to please. Consequently, they rarely get to experience a joy that leads to a passionate Christianity. But when serving Jesus Christ is your singular motivation and goal, then there is precision and focus and power. Some might call it anointing in everything you do. And oh yeah, there's joy and peace as you experience a passionate Christianity. You say, Pastor Tim, that's all easy for you to say. You're in full-time vocational ministry. My situation is different. Well, I beg to differ with you. And that difference is based on what Paul writes in Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Here's what Paul says. Whatever you do, whatever you do, construction worker, nurse, school teacher, assembly line person, in sales, retail, doctor, lawyer, professor, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart. There's the passion. As working for the Lord. There's your motivation. Not for human masters. Verse 24. Since you know, do you know this? Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. It's the Lord Christ you are serving. That is true of you today. If you understand and realize that ultimately you are serving the Lord, then in all likelihood, you are experiencing a passionate Christian life that becomes even more passionate with each passing day. And you'll understand why the Apostle Paul gives us this directive in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, my father's life's verse. I've preached it many times here, preached it at his funeral. Therefore, my beloved brethren, Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's be passionate Christians. We're passionate fans. Come on. We were blessed to have 20 years of the greatest quarterback in the history of football. Mm. Come on now. If you're an Atlanta Falcons fan, I apologize for what we're about to do, but. We've been passionate fans for the last 20 years watching the Patriots. Of course, Tom Brady's gone now and we miss seeing him run out on the field and yell two words. What does he say? Let's go. go. But while he was here, boy, we had some great moments. We had some passionate moments, not the least of which was Super Bowl 51 in 2017 when the Patriots came back from a 28-3 deficit in the third quarter. In case you forgot what that looked like, here's just a brief video clip. Here we go. Crank it up. I want you to notice how many of these people are praying. Sunday morning. Tom Brady is a great champion, but we have a much greater champion. His name is Jesus Christ. An empty cross. We have an empty tomb to remind us of how great our champion is today. He is our undefeated champion. And I'm okay with being passionate about sports. I really am. Some sometimes misinterpret when I'm talking about these things to think I'm not. Hey, I, 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 I'm as big a fan as anyone else but I don't want to give Jesus less than I give Tom Brady. I don't want to give Jesus less than I give the Patriots or the Red Sox or any other sports team. They haven't done for me what Jesus has done for me. They never could do for me what Jesus has done for me. He saved me, forgiven me, and and listen, he's given us a mission He's given us a charge. It's called the Great Commission. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he said, as you do that, I will be with you confirming my word with signs and wonders. And when I, I don't know about you, but when I hear that, I want to say, let's go, let's go, let's go. God has given us an inspirational church that has known the blessings of God for decades. We're in another building program to make room for more teenagers so the teenagers can fill up the whole half of the church. Yeah. So let's never be lazy. Let's never be lacking in zeal. Let's keep up our spiritual fervor and never forget what we are doing. We are doing for the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads and hearts with me for a word of closing prayer? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Those of you online, stay with us. We're done in two minutes. Let me extend the altar invitation today in this way by just rehearsing those three points. As you evaluate where you're at in your spiritual passion with Jesus today, how's your methodology going? How are those spiritual disciplines? How's that prayer time? How's that time in God's word? How's your church attendance, your worship attendance? Is today the first time you've been in church in a, couple of weeks or maybe a couple of months. Someone today was in church for the first time in a couple of years, but they, they came down to this altar and got right with Jesus. (laughs) Maybe you want to spend some time around this altar and a lot of time with Jesus this week. Renewing your commitment to those personal disciplines. You got to keep adding wood to the fire. You do that in prayer. You do that in the word. You do that in worship. You do that in service. You do that as you gather together with other brothers and sisters in Christ who when your fire is not as hot as, as it should be, they can help you and spur you on. Number two, how are we doing on the means? Maybe you're a very religious person. Maybe you're very disciplined, but you're trying to do it in your own ability. Maybe at one time you, you, you lived in the power of the Spirit, but now you've gone into just going through the motions and you're sick and tired of it. And you'd say, Jesus, I need a fresh outpouring of your Spirit in my heart and soul and spirit, in my life. Holy Spirit, come. Like Max Lucado, I know there must be more. I want more today. Would you come? And then third and finally... You know, our motivations are tricky things. Our heart deceives us. We think we're doing things for the right reason. And then we find out, you know what? I was really doing that for myself. Or I was doing that to please the pastor. Or I was doing that to impress somebody. Or I was doing that to try to to score points with Jesus and kind of, you know, make sure I'm in a good, good spot to get into heaven. None of that is worth a hill of beans if you aren't serving him for the right motivation. Maybe you're not serving at all. Maybe you're one of those person who, who, who gave yourself a pass for a day and now it's been a decade. And I, I know there's exceptions to the rule right now. So please hear that when I speak to those of you watching online. But there are some people watching online, you don't have a good excuse for not being here. People are dying and going to hell while well, you sit at home comfortable in your easy chair. Let's work while we've got the time to do it. Let's serve while there's time to serve. We're serving the Lord. We're working for Jesus. Finally, before I close, every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around with this pastor. Maybe you're here today and listen, you can't even begin to serve the Lord because listen, you have not yet surrendered to the Lord. And today is your day. Somehow the Holy Spirit has broken in through your hard heart or wounded heart or whatever's going on in your heart. But today Jesus has reminded you how much he loves you and he knocks on your heart's door. He says, hey, will you let me in? Because if you'll let him in, he'll come in not only to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you, but he'll come in to give you purpose. He'll come in to give you the power of his spirit so that you can live a passionate Christian life. If that's you today, you know you need Jesus. I promise I'll not call you out, embarrass you. But I want to give you this opportunity to to just slip that hand up and say, Jesus, today, I open up my heart to you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. Thank you. I'm looking across the ground level right now. God bless you, ma'am. In the back, I see your hand. God bless you, buddy over here. I see your hand. God bless you, ma'am. I see your hand. Anyone else, slip it up and put it down right now. All the way in the back. God bless you, sir. I see your hand. God bless you, ma'am. I see your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Ground level? Up to the balcony. Anybody in the balcony today? God bless you, ma'am. I see your hand. Thank you. Anybody else in the balcony? Jesus today, I open up my heart to you. Jesus today, come into my heart and life. Those of you watching online, go ahead and raise that hand right now. Go ahead. I can't see you, but surely Jesus does. And there's something to taking that action of faith by slipping up that hand. Father God, we thank you for every raised hand today raised hands that represent open hearts, inviting you to come in and change their life forever. Thank you, Jesus, not only for forgiving us of our sins, but Lord, giving us a brand new purpose and giving us all the power of heaven in the person of the Holy Spirit to live a passionate Christian life. Well, we won't be perfect, but Jesus, we set our hearts today to following you and to living in your power and in your grace and in your mercy to become all that you'd have us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me?
0: Thanks for joining us this week on Calvary's podcast. Be sure to visit our website, calvarychristian.church, to stay up to date with events, sermons, and ways you and your family can get connected within our community We hope to see you in person or online at one of our weekend services. Once again, thanks for listening in today, and we look forward to having you join us next time.